Good morning. Forgive me if I stammer a bit. I just realized during the last time that I'm wearing brown socks instead of the black ones I thought I had on. Was, <laughs> caught me off guard. Um, this morning, uh, I'd like to look at several passages, actually, um, but all in, in uh, as they per- pertain to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we'll start in Philippians uh, chapter 2. All of these will be fairly familiar uh, verses and, and passages that we'll be looking at. Philippians 2, and we'll read in verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Um, and, and the phrase I want to focus on this morning, or the, in this verse, is let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Um, and, and the thought is, what, what was that mind? Um, verse, uh, first John, and again, we'll be turning a lot, so if you can keep, keep up, if not, we'll be reading them. First uh, John chapter 2 and verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And so the question is, how did he walk? Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll start in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Um, if we're to be like Christ, if we're to have his, his mind, uh, if we're to walk as he walked, we're to look at him. Um, and I'm not, I don't think I'm breaking any new ground here uh, when I say if you want to imitate someone, if we're to be imitators of someone, you have to study them. You have to look at them. You have to watch them and listen to them. Uh, so that's all we're going to do this morning. Um, we're simply going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ in various aspects of his life um, and, and see a little bit of his mind, see how he walked, um, and what it is to be like Christ. Uh, we're going to look at his humility and his love, um, attributes that are at the, the height of what our example should be. Um, and there could be many, there's many topics that we could offshoot on, and I'll try to keep a little focus, but uh, in simplicity, we just want to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. We need to look to him. Um, so, Lord willing, uh, with his grace, that's what we'll be focused on this morning. Um, Hebrews 12 and, and verse 2, which we just read, says, Looking unto Jesus. Um, Paul uses the example that uh, be imitators of me as I am imitating Christ. Um, everything 
that we are to do is to go to Christ, is to point to Christ, is to come from Christ. Um, not of ourselves, not of apostles, not of disciples. And so that this morning, uh, we'll be, uh, I'll be reiterating that constantly, uh, that we are to look at the Lord Jesus Christ. So before we, we delve into some of these examples, uh, let's, let's look to him and, uh, and uh, lift up this time. Uh, God and Father, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are so thankful for your Son who uh, came to this earth in full humility. Father, in uh, complete obedience to you, he had all power and glory, and yet he came to this earth um, and became our redemption. And Father, because of him, we are free from sin and its penalty. We just pray this morning as we look at him, as we look to him, uh, and how he walked and what his mind was like, Father, that we would grow closer and nearer um, to the image of your Son, and that we would um, portray him more as we go out of here, uh, that he would be our focus. We pray this in his holy and precious name. Amen. So as we consider him, uh, I'd like to first turn to Revelation chapter 19. And verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepresses of the, fire, uh, of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the same Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to preempt it with this, who we are going to look at in a very different light. This is the Son of God, creator of the heavens and the earth and the stars and the universe and everything in between, and of you and I. And this is his full glory and his power, and yet he laid that aside. Christ could very well have destroyed his enemies, have come in full deserved glory, yet he didn't. And so, we'll look at what he did do in Isaiah 53. And starting in verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and, by, and they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Um, that is a very, very different picture that we see contrasting what we read in Revelation. Um, this is the Son of God emptying himself, laying aside his glory, and coming to this earth um, in complete humility and complete uh, shame and complete rejection. So turn with me to Matthew 5 and verse 48. Uh, this is the, uh, the Sermon of the Mount in the, early in the Lord's ministry. Um, and we're not going to read the whole thing for sake of time. We could, and that would probably be the best family Bible hour we've ever had, and just read it, close it, and amen. Um, but but we'll, uh, we'll look at a couple other examples today. Um, Matthew 5, and starting in verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we, we read earlier that we're to walk. If we are abiding in him, we're to walk as he did. Um, and here the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, Therefore you shall be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, obviously we're not going to be perfect uh, without sin or without error. Um, but perfect in the sense that we show uh, his humility, his love, um, that those characteristics of the Lord, that we display those. Um, and so going up a few verses, Matthew 5 and verse 38, For you have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But, I, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Um, and there is nobody who exemplified all of these attributes more perfectly than the one who said them himself. The Lord Jesus Christ, through every instance of his life, through every dealing with every sick person, poor person, uh, centurion, Pharisee, perfectly exemplified what it is to be perfect before, uh, before the Father and show all these attributes of humility and love um, and the first one we'll look at is John chapter 13. And verse 4. And there's a couple key words that we'll, we'll key into as we read. Um, but just think of how he approaches each individual that he's dealing with. John 13, 4. Uh, speaking of Jesus, rose from supper and laid aside his garments took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel 
with which he was girded. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, got up from the table and put on an apron and washed dirty, dusty feet. Um, and there are many, uh, many things we can say about this passage. But just think about, think about the gravity of, of what is happening here. He rose from supper. He laid aside his garments. Um, a, a picture of what he did literally and, uh, and in coming down from, uh, from glory as a man. Took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. We see his full glory in Revelation, uh, riding on a white horse and, and able to destroy the enemies of the Lord with a single word. And yet, that didn't stop him from coming down to the exact, complete opposite, the highest of high to the lowest of lows, to put on a towel, an, an apron, in our words, and to wash the disciples' feet. John chapter 4 and verse 43 So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made, water, had made the water wine. And there was a, a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and he said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. Um, uh, again, another picture here of the Lord's service. Um, He's walking around, and people are, are calling him left and right, left and right. Um, and we're, we read later on that there are times when he would walk into a village, and from sunrise to sunset, he was healing and, and speaking and, and, and serving and would get away for maybe but a brief moment to go to the mountain and pray, um, completely giving of himself without reserve. Um, and here... Not only did he say, I'll heal your son, or I'll go, and he, he was healed that instant. That instant. He's, he, and, and the thought, um, uh, a commentator once said, um, he's holding together the atoms and the molecules and, and the, the breath of every individual around him and in the world, and he's providing for the birds and, and the fish and, the, and every creation. He's controlling it and holding it and keeping it together. And when one man asks him for a favor, that instant it is done. Um, it's a little hard to wrap our minds around because he is God. And yet we, we see a few instances here. Um, 
that we read very quickly. But try to understand how much the Lord Jesus Christ gave of himself. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, be the next one we look at, and verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, and this is the part I want you to look at, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleaned. Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. That's going to become a familiar phrase. Um, and not only was he moved with compassion and, and just spoke, which he could have done, um, he touched him. He reached down to a leper um, and he touched him. The very same way he came down to this earth and, and, and reached out to filthy, vile sinners. Um, there's there's no better picture of sin than leprosy uh, in a physical representation. And, and here you have Christ without reservation reaching down. And, and as it says later on, immediately the leprosy left him. Perfect power and yet living as a servant. Luke chapter 7 And verse 11, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Again, we see that the Lord had compassion um, and, and again, th there's crowds, uh, th there's a lot going on, and the Lord is traveling and he's, he's going about his ministry and he stops for one woman, for one widow who lost her son. He has compassion and he says, do not weep. And immediately her son rises as soon as, um, as, soon as he touches uh, his, his coffin. Luke chapter 8 and verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid, only believe. Believe. 
and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she rose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And here we have uh, the Lord on his, on his way uh, to heal uh, an, another person who's passed, um, this man's daughter. And as soon as they hear that she is dead, um, he says, do not be afraid. He comforts them. She will be made well. He goes into the house, and just uh, as, as he's coming in, there's a group of people there. And here's the interesting thing, and we'll see a, a trend as this continues. She is, he said, she's not dead but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. So not only is, is the Lord coming, walking to this house, coming in and, and, and taking time to do all this, but as soon as he gives his word of comfort, they ridicule him. And that is no different. That is no different than what we did. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't snap back. He doesn't reveal his full glory and, and, and come in on a white horse and, and destroy. He doesn't punish. He simply goes into the room by himself with, with uh, her parents and he brings her back to life and commands that she be given something to eat. Matthew chapter 14 And verse uh, 13. And when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the city. So again, he's got a brief moment maybe to be by himself and uh, people are thronging uh, toward him. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them here to me. And he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes, so they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that were made. Now those who had eaten there were about five thousand men, besides women and children. So we've seen him already unable to have time away, time on his own. Um, and that doesn't deter him that doesn't uh, upset him or, or cause him to cut their time short. Instead, it says, 
when he went out, he saw a great multitude. And we already know over 5,000 people. That's a, that's a lot of people. And he had compassion for them. Excuse me, he was moved with compassion for them. Um, and he healed their sick. And, and again, we see the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, consistent, um, perfect love, perfect humility, giving of himself at every turn. And then in the evening, the disciples come to him and they say, well, they need to go. There's no food around here. What, you know? and, it, and it's not a, a harsh concern. It's a legitimate concern. You know, let's send them away so they can eat, so they're not hungry. And the Lord says, no, 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 we're going to, that, that's not good enough. We're going to take care of them here. Um, and not only does he provide for them, he provides abundantly, and they have leftovers. Um, the Lord was moved with compassion for them, for each and every one of them. Um, John 21 and 25, this is personally one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And this, this might be just me and you know, my imagination, but I have sat down and, and, and spent a long time just thinking on that verse. And if you truly wrap your mind around it, you, well, you can't. If you truly meditate on it, this is, a, this is literal. I believe this to be very literal. Um, and think about it. Every single book, if every single page was, was covered front to back, and they were stacked up all around the world, all the way out until wherever the atmosphere pops out and gravity falls and they can't stay inside anymore, it wouldn't be enough it wouldn't be enough to contain the books that would be written about all the things that Jesus did. So it wasn't enough that he left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha there to suffer and die for me. That wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough that he came down and every five minutes had to stop and help somebody or heal somebody. Or, or comfort somebody. And it wasn't enough that he got up from dinner, put aside his clothes, put on an apron, and washed dirty, filthy feet that had been walking for miles and miles and miles. And it wasn't enough that he had to be ridiculed while doing these things. And it wasn't enough that people were plotting to kill him. And at every turn, he would have to give a sharp look and, and, and walk through a crowd because his time was not ready. It wasn't enough that he had accusations levied against him. Mark 15, and we'll start in verse 15, goes into what you could say is the greatest thing that Jesus did um, out of all the things that we do have recorded. Roughly, if... if if I counted correctly, we have 37 miracles recorded in the Gospels. Um, just 37, which 
tremendous and more than enough um, that are just recorded and detailed, or not even detailed, and some of them are very brief. Um, and then uh, we come to this. The reason he came down to this sin-cursed earth, um, and thankfully, because we couldn't do anything about our state ourselves, uh, just like the widow whose son has died, uh, just like uh, Jairus' daughter, uh, they couldn't do anything. But the Lord stepped in, uh, and just like the leprous man uh, touched him. So we'll look at Mark 15, perfect culmination of the Lord's walk of humility and, and lowliness uh, to Calvary. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away to the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshiped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. And they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. They divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Some of those who stood by, when they heard that, said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Pretty much speaks for itself. But every step of the way, you see complete shame, complete humility by the Son of God, by the Lord of life. First, a vile criminal was chosen over him. And then, almost as if it were nothing, the verse quickly mentions, and then after he had scourged him to be crucified, that's when he released him. We, we don't even have a, a detailed description of, of the scourging, which in and of itself would have been possibly ours. With a, with a cat of nine tails, leather thongs twisted with glass and metal and, and, and rock, ripping at his back, at his flesh. After that is when he was released to be crucified, given to be crucified. And then the soldiers took him into Praetorium and they gave him a royal robe in mockery. They twisted a crown of thorns, those very long thorns, put it on his head. We know in other accounts that they took a reed and they beat it into his head. And then they began to mock him. The one who is king of kings and lord of lords, who can ride on a white horse, who has a sword come out of his mouth. They mocked him. So badly that he couldn't even carry his own cross. And in other accounts, again, we have him along the way while carrying the cross stopping and telling women who were weeping for him not to cry for him. Taking the time to speak to them. And again, almost as if to give very little detail, it was about the third hour and they crucified him. The detail isn't there of, of the excruciating physical agony that is involved in him being crucified. Hands being nailed, feet being nailed, suffocating as he's trying to breathe on the cross, splinters only doing further damage to the lash marks on his back. And after he was crucified, further insult, further humiliation and mockery. And on top of that, to be in the middle of two just, justly punished criminals, he was numbered with the transgressors. And again, we know that after he was, as he was crucified, 
He said, Father, forgive them. And not only that, but spoke to the thief on the cross and promised him that that day he would be in paradise with him. Selflessness in its purest definition, humility in its purest definition. Isaiah 50 and verse 6 says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Let's go back to Isaiah 53. Same passage we read earlier. In verse 3, he's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And we'll continue reading at this point the rest of the chapter. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. Poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Those three hours that are mentioned that we read earlier, we can't even begin to go into those. We will, we will never be able to, to grasp what it was to bear our sin, to bear the penalty, the punishment, and the judgment for our sin. That, that is something we could, we will never know. For the Father to turn his face away from the Son because he bore every single sin in himself. That was the ultimate humility that he showed. That self, selflessness, giving himself as a sacrifice, that right there is him coming from the highest of high to the lowest of lows. Going back to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. 
we could we could do many lessons and 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 many studies on on how to walk certain way, how to treat people certain ways, how to how to have a a, a good testimony, um, and, and there and we need those, and they're very good. Um, but if we can't even look at Christ and and glean even a portion of that from the ultimate example, from the author and finisher of our faith, uh, th- this is where it comes down. Th- this is as good as, as an example and as a lesson as we're going to get, um, and it's very plain and simple. Um, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and, bec- and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And I will continue this passage. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what he deserves, and this is what he will receive. This is who he is. He is Lord, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he set it aside. When we gain a true appreciation of of what he did, how can we not be moved to live like that? That is a very... Uh, it's a very simple equation. Um, A.W. Tozer mentions um, that I think it would be wiser, I hope I quote it correctly, I think it would be wiser if we allowed ourselves to be moved uh, by the enrapturement of our heart than by the constant study of theology. Um, and, and, and the study of theology has its place. But I would agree that if we just look at the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to fill our hearts and, and to be moved by what he did for us, to, to take it in, we could read this day after day after day, every verse of the Lord Jesus Christ, every red verse that we have in our Bible, and not have a, f- a complete appreciation or a full understanding of the amount that he did for us. But if we look to him, who is the author and finisher of our faith, that's how we're going to get the best example of how to walk like him, how to have the same mind as him. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. May we just have a a deeper appreciation for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, He is the creator. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and one day we will see him in that glory. But praise be to God that he decided to to humble himself and come in full 
shame and humility and accept that scorn, the, the, the mockery, the disdain at every step and continue to serve, continue to give of himself, continue to love completely. There's no better example of love. There's no better example of humility. Um, and in every aspect, in every word, when we see him moved with compassion, uh, how can we help but love him? And when you love someone, when you follow, study them so closely, that's when you start to look like them. But until we have a full appreciation, uh, an enrapturement of our heart for what the Lord Jesus Christ did, uh, this is where it starts. And this is where we can truly say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Um, because he left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to suffer and die for me. Let's pray. Our God and, uh, and Father, we just thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we admit that we have feeble words and, and, and failures. And Father, we know that only through your word and through your help can we truly understand the amount of love that was shown to us. And Father, we pray that as we look at the Lord Jesus Christ day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, Father, that we would love him more, that we would understand how much he loved us. Father, that as we look at him, we would be more closely changed to him, to his image. Father, that we would walk like him, talk like him. Father, we pray that we would go out of here having a new uh, desire to love him and to show him to all people. Father, he left the splendor of heaven, he set aside his glory, and he came down to this earth, uh, girded himself, and washed our feet. Father, he, he touched the leper. Father, he kept nothing for himself, he had no place to lay. Father, he, from sunrise to sunset, was at everybody's beck and call, serving. And Father, we just pray that we would uh, be empowered to live like him. We thank you so much for his love. We thank you so much that he would come down to this sin-cursed earth, the earth he created, and accept such vile rejection and humiliation from from a creation that had turned away and yet say, Father, forgive them and yet say, do not weep and that he would loved us to the last. Father, we are so thankful that he rose again and it didn't end there, but that he was triumphant over death and sin and hell. And Father, 
By him, we are redeemed by his blood, called into your family. And Father, we just thank you once again for who he is. How lovely a Savior is Jesus, my Lord. And it's in his holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.